Our final Game of Thrones Season 7 preview is sponsored by CanvasPeople.com. Summer is here. You know what that means. Vacations, weddings, hopefully not red ones, barbecues, parties, lots of good times. You're taking pictures. But what do you do with those pictures afterwards? You're just going to have them sit on your phone forever, scroll through them every once in a while. No, CanvasPeople.com is going to help you Put those pictures up on your wall, the wall, wherever you want, and they've got a great offer, special $0 pricing for our listeners when you go to canvaspeople.com and use the promo code RHAP because they want you to try out their service because they know once you try it, you'll see how great Canvas People is for creating these beautiful works of art that you could be hanging in your home on a great looking canvas and all you have to do is pay the shipping. It's less than $20 total and you can try it out canvaspeople.com, hashtag R-H-A-P. It doesn't have to be necessarily a photo. What about your house sigil? Sure, that's going to look good in your throne room as well. An 11 by 14 photo canvas is normally $69.99 plus shipping, but for our listeners, you can get that down to that special $0 pricing where you just pay the shipping. You're going to love how gorgeous these photo canvases look hanging in your home. Over a million satisfied customers are using canvaspeople.com. So to get that offer, go to canvaspeople.com, upload your photo, select the 11 by 14 size and enter the promo code RHAP in the promo code box to get that special $0 pricing. That's at canvaspeople.com promo code RHAP. The wait for Game of Thrones season seven is just about over, but we are just getting started kicking off your Game of Thrones weekend here on the road to Westeros, day number seven. And now here he is, uh, the guy who's been uh, throwing it up along alongside myself here for uh, the last uh, seven days. Here is Josh Wiggler. I'm Rob Sister. Josh, how are you? Oh, I am doing really, really well. Very excited for the Westeros weekend, Rob. Westeros weekend is finally here. And of course, Game of Thrones Season 7 kicks off this Sunday night on HBO. We will be live after the episode at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time to talk about it all with the backfish. Stephen Fishback will be joining us and we will be right here on postshowrecaps.com on the Facebook Live. So make sure if you would like to ask us your questions right after the episode, you can join us uh, to talk through all things Thrones and make sure you subscribe to our Game of Thrones podcast because we have uh, so many different things coming up for you here this Game of Thrones season. That's all at postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. Josh, are you, you're good? You're, you're loose? I'm great. I'm loose. I'm psyched. I'm happy. Uh, yeah, look, it has been a long time since we have had new Game of Thrones to talk about. And in just a couple of days, everybody's going to be able to talk about the season seven premiere, the first episode back in God knows how long. I mean, what, like 15 months at this point? It's been quite some time, and the it's we waited, waited, waited. It's here, and it's going to be done like that. Seven yes. weeks only here in this season, and uh, you know, summer already flies uh, by, and we're not talking about the dire wolf. And no, then, summer doesn't do anything anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, and uh, by Labor Day, uh, boom, that's it. We're going to be in the, the then the real home stretch down to the final six for Game of Thrones. 
It's going to be a really fast season here on Game of Thrones, and I'm excited about that. I think, uh, would it be great to have 10 episodes and a 10-episode final season as well? Of course. The more, the merrier. You know, let, we'll take what we can get. We'll happily accept more if that's what's on the table. But it's a condensed seven episodes, and I think that that kind of storytelling can really lead to something pretty explosive and really condensed. And I think that that's a great place to be in as we're in this final stretch of Game of Thrones. They mean business, and hopefully business is going to be good. Okay, so we have a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts coming your way. Of course, I mentioned that we're going to have the live shows after the episode, but uh, we're very excited to announce a uh, a new addition to the podcast lineup that we're going to have for you guys. Uh, Come Tuesday morning, you're going to hear the debut of our newest Game of Thrones podcast, uh, The Deep Dive, where Josh Wiggler is going to be taking us through all of the uh, different storylines to bring bring in all the information that he has uh, will be able to explain to us after the episodes. Listen, let's be honest. It's just because like someone's going to have to clean up Fishback's mess uh, after, yeah. after those Sunday nights know-it-alls. So yeah, since I can't be on the Sunday night live shows, that's going to be Rob and Steve, and then Rob and I are going to get together just a day or so later to do a deeper dive into everything that happens in the episode. We'll drill down into every specific storyline. Uh, it's going to be a co-production with The Hollywood Reporter, my home base of operations, so that's very exciting. Post recaps is going Hollywood, Rob. Yeah, so that's very exciting, and I really like this format to be able to then, like, Sunday night with Steven, it's going to be really emotional. Like, where it's going to be, like, a lot of, oh my god, uh, a lot of uh, can you believe that, a lot of hyperbole. I think then on the deep dive, you come in and really just, like, set the record straight. Here's what you guys are wrong about. Here's what I've learned since the episode, and that's going to be the very informative version of the podcast. Well, I think it's going to be cool, because Monday Days are uh, are going to be very busy Game of Thrones days for me. Certainly, that's going to be the days that most of the press are talking to actors, talking to production designers, anybody they can get their hands on, doing their deep dive analyses as well. So there's going to be a lot of material to comb through on those Mondays after the Sunday episode. So we'll definitely get a lot of that insight and analysis into those shows. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really fun one. Okay, and then we will have our feedback show then later on in the week. Look for that on Wednesday afternoon. So here we are uh, going into the weekend, and this was one last chance, this final Road to Westeros podcast where you and I are able to take questions from our listeners. So go ahead, send them in here on our Facebook Live, and we'll answer as many as we can. Uh, Not getting into uh, anything we can't potentially answer after we were at the Game of Thrones uh, season premiere party uh, this week, Josh. What could you say about the actual party itself? Well, uh, the party itself, the flatbreads were to die for. Uh, that's Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I can say. Uh, sweet apps, Good, uh, good pasta hors d'oeuvres, wouldn't you say, Rob? Yeah, yeah. And uh, really, I mean, they, they go was, all Rob out was, for these Rob parties. Rob was hounding the dessert bar. He was really all up in the dessert bar's face at the end of the night. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, I, you know, look that when you, uh, you when you go, you know, you play the Game of Thrones. Uh, you either uh, you you eat it all or you die. I think you that's win, really what it comes or, down you to. You win or eat pie. Uh, Hot Pie was really working hard behind the scenes. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Obviously, we can't say anything about what we saw in the episode, uh, but we we had a lot of celebrity sightings out there. Damon Lindelof was walking like five feet away from us at one point. We uh, we trailed David Benioff and Dan Weiss into the after party. We might be showing up in some kind of behind the scenes video, Rob. I have no idea what that was. 
right? If you see any video of Benioff and Weiss walking into a party, you'll see two other idiots <laughs> right behind them, uh, like cracking themselves up. So yes. uh, that was very exciting. And they did something really cool before they uh, aired the episode that they had the Game of Thrones uh, orchestra and they had them score. And they were at the uh, Walt Disney Amphitheater. Is that what it's yeah, called, the Josh? Walt Disney Concert Hall. And uh, Ramin Jawadi, who is the series composer, who has taken his act on the road over this past year, the road to Westeros, uh, has been uh, touring around the country. I'm not sure if it's been international or not, uh, playing you know the greatest hits of the Game of Thrones soundtrack with a full orchestra. And we got a taste of that on Wednesday night. And that was really, that was really something else. That was pretty epic. Yeah. They did a great job, and they scored a bunch of uh, different scenes with the actual orchestra. I thought we were going to get a little reins of Castamere, but Josh made a good point. Uh, he thought that the crowd no. might have got a little nervous once the orchestra goes reins of Castamere. What would you have done if suddenly the reins of Castamere played, and then I turned to you and lifted up my plaid shirt, and I had chainmail underneath it? Uh, I think that I would have started to uh, cry. Yeah, run for the door. I mean, what do you do? Hold, what can hold, you do? Hold the door. Yeah, hold the door for me. All right. So let's get into some of these questions because uh, you guys have a lot of good ones that you want to know. Josh, uh, this is a question that I don't know if you know the answer to. Samantha Alexander wants to know, are we completely done with the East? Do we cross the narrow sea again in this story? It's a great question. I'm inclined to think we're done with the East. I mean, something that George R. R. Martin has always said about this story is that even though this world is vast and there is um, there are great lands beyond Westeros, this is a story about Westeros in his mind. Um, and I think that now that we are in this home stretch and we've got 13 episodes left in Game of Thrones before all is said and done, I think we're at that point now where we are we are consolidating. We are we are in on Westeros, winning in on Westeros. We're in the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, I think that the East is probably out of the picture. What do you think, Rob? What about Dario? That's the one thing. If Dario he's wasn't gone, left behind, you can guard the base, Dario. Yeah, he's on. That's it. He's on. Uh, on. Uh, I don't know. Flag guarding duty or jail guarding duty. If this is capture the flag, yeah, I don't think we're seeing him again. Uh, Daenerys is rushing towards the end zone. Uh, Dario is back. You know, guarding a base that nobody is really interested in in the main storyline. I think that's it. I think we're done with Dario Naharis. Could he show up in Westeros? Yeah, if he's just like, yeah, I didn't want to wait around. I mean, that is kind of classic Dario. Like he, when he went into Vyastothrak with Jorah Mormont, and he wasn't supposed to bring any weapons, but he has his favorite knife, and so he snuck his favorite knife in. He defied. So I would, there's a lot. So I wouldn't be shocked if he showed up in Westeros. But I kind of feel like we're done with that character. I think that that was the the final scene that we would get with him when he uh, when he gets rejected by Danny at the end of season six. Josh, what about this question from Brett who wants to know about Ghost being the only direwolf left or do you think that we will see the return of Nymeria? Nymeria we haven't seen since back in what was it? Season one when yeah. uh, we saw Arya center. It was what, uh, the uh, third or fourth episode of the series. Second, second episode of the series. Oh, I my believe. God. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen Arya's direwolf. What do you think? Do you think we're going to get a, a return of Nymeria now that Arya's back in Westeros? I do. I do believe that that is something that we have her basically, uh, you know, uh, we saw her at the end of season six where she was uh, in the uh, in the Riverlands. And you would think that that's probably around the same spot that Nymeria was like. It feels like that there could be a reunion happening. 
I would love that. I mean, everybody's talking about like the Stark reunion, uh, you know, the fact that Tyrion is here, so maybe there's a Lannister reunion in the offing, but an Arya and Nymeria reunion would be great. That would be really, really, really something else. Uh, I think at the very least there's unfinished business there. Uh, you know, I don't want to be the guy who says like all direwolves must die. I don't know. I don't know how you would translate that into Valyrian, uh, but that certainly has been where we've trended, where there are only two direwolves left of the original direwolf pups. Uh, one of them hasn't been on the show in forever, and the other one, Ghost, has been kind of angry because he screened because he maybe like smells what's in the air and just like wants to chill out and stay away from the screen so that he's a little bit safer. So I think that there has to be some sort of follow up on that. There's a trajectory there that I think you at least have to put Nymeria into the into the risk of being in danger again just for for the audience's sake I think that that is one of those hanging threads out there that's going to get tied up before too much longer Josh this is a question that people have debated for many seasons where is Lady Stoneheart uh you said that uh they're not doing Lady Stoneheart right it's not happening I don't think so uh and you know this is a book spoiler for anyone who hasn't read the books is this just like common knowledge at this point a Lady Stoneheart Rob here's uh, here's how what I would say for people that are you know don't want to be spoiled uh you don't have to say wh- who or what it is uh you could just refer to Lady Stoneheart they could just know that that's a thing there's a thing in the books called Lady Stoneheart and people who read the books know what that is and many people who haven't read the books probably know what that is by now too but it basically refers to a character who shows up unexpectedly let's say that um, mm-hmm. and that happens at the end of the third book and people have been waiting for that really big moment to happen on the show pretty much ever since season three since the season three finale we're at season seven it hasn't happened yet it's never going to happen. There will be no Lady Stoneheart. I believe George R. R. Martin even gave an interview to Time this week and said that that was one of his biggest points of, uh, of departure with David Benioff and Dan Weiss in some of the book changes that have happened on the show is that Lady Stoneheart hasn't been included. And he really fought for that and it got shot down. So I think George R. R. Martin's week that there wins this week that there will no longer be uh, no, no more hope for Lady Stoneheart, Rob. I think that's uh, out of the picture at this point if it was ever there. Hasn't she been through enough? I think so. I think so. I think it's time to Time to put that one to rest for sure. Josh, in terms of the uh, TV show and the storylines in the book, in any way, do people feel like if the show doesn't treat something as important, is it in any way, do people feel like it's a book spoiler in terms of that? Oh, I guess that that's not a significant part of the end game if uh, Benioff and Weiss don't feel like it's important enough to be in the TV show. Yeah, I think that that argument definitely exists. I think that way of thinking certainly exists. Like you look at Dorne, for example, and Dorne on the show is so from Dorne, different from Dorne in the books, which is like a very complicated plot of uh, of scheming and back dealing and long simmering agendas. Uh, talk to Fishback about it when you get him on the podcast, he loves Dorn in the books and he's furious with how Dorn was presented on the show. So he'll give you, I'm sure, a lot of ire towards the Sand Snakes and everything. Um, and then there's like the Lady Stoneheart thing, which seems like it's going to be a big deal in the book, but it doesn't exist at all in the show. Does that tell you that whatever is going to happen with those characters isn't ultimately going to amount to something? I don't think so. I think the book experience is very different from the show experience on a lot of levels. And what's more, I think the show is taking a lot of the plot weight that is on 
some of those characters that are not showing up on the show and placing it on to fan favorites that have really popped on the show. Like, I think that you can see um, there's been arguments that like Sansa's story has taken something of a stone heartish tone at certain points. And maybe she's somebody who will be able to resolve whatever Lady Stoneheart is up to in the book. Uh, so there's that kind of thinking as well. I think that the experiences are, are, are separate enough that the show isn't spoiling the books in that regard. Other regards, sure, like the Hodor thing. Like, that's just a thing that when we get to it in the book, it's going to be like, wow, well, that's really hard to read, but I kind of knew it was coming. So there are definitely mm-hmm. moments like that. But something like that with Stoneheart being cut or a storyline being minimized, I think that you can see the traces of what that impact in the book will be elsewhere on the show. Josh, uh, this is a question from Sue King Reynolds, who is asking us, uh, will Cersei ever figure out who killed Joffrey? Uh, this is an interesting point that she still uh, is under the belief that Tyrion did this. Do you think that that's something that ever comes out or it just continues to drive her against Tyrion? And actually, if she did find out, it would uh, really uh, hurt the inertia of the story. Well, yeah. What's like the upside of Cersei finding out that somebody else instead of Tyrion killed Joffrey? Like, what if she finds out that it's a little finger? plot? What if she finds out that it was the Queen of Thorns? Uh, What if she finds out it's one of these people? I I mean, she's already opposed to Lady Olenna. Lady Olenna has, you know, thrown her lot in with the Targaryens. Littlefinger is very far away right now. I don't know that Cersei versus Littlefinger is something that we're necessarily going to see, at least not anytime soon. But this is a big part of the fuel that leads into why Cersei hates Tyrion so much. Tyrion is coming back to Westeros as the hand of the Queen to Daenerys and is directly challenging Cersei in that way. So I think keeping that on the show in terms of a big major reason to really loathe her brother, I think that that's going to be in place for a while. And I don't know that Cersei's story, however that's going to resolve, necessarily needs to, to resolve with the knowledge of who actually killed her kid. I'm not sure who would actually be motivated to do it. The only thing I could think of is that if we ever get another uh, Lady Elena Cersei meeting where, you know, that I think that Lady Elena might want to throw it in Cersei's face right now. Like, uh, oh, just so you know that I that I killed Joffrey. Right. Like Littlefinger it probably doesn't suit him, but it might be for Lady Elena. She might want the uh, the spike yeah. points there. I watched Joffrey die. Yeah, I did. I took off the necklace. Go back done, and watch the I tape. Didn't, but I didn't. I just yeah. wanted you to know. This is a, a question I haven't heard before, uh, Josh. This is from Charlie, who's asking us, percent chance that Ygritte comes back to life. Is this something people are talking about? Uh, this is not something that's super on my radar. I mean, I can understand the hope for Ygritte to come back to life and the desire to see her come back to life. But as far as I'm concerned, that was a, you know, one of the, you know, that was a very decisive ending for that character, I think, a very definitive death. You would think so, but, you know, in talking about it, is it possible that we see her maybe not in some sort of human form, but could she be some sort of, uh, oh, the John Byrne, the body, right? Yeah, that's right? the that thing. We, yeah. yeah, so he grit. Uh, but I think, that, I think that that's uh, that a done deal it, right? then. Yeah. She dies in John's arms, and in the next episode, John brings her further north and burns her body on a pyre. Like, that's, there's no more, you know, zombification coming from that. The only thing that gives me a slight pause, Josh, is that the other night at the premiere, uh, they had the introduction and they asked people, please don't uh, nobody filming. And and they had uh, Kit Harrington record it. It was very funny. It was in like the the night's watch vow. He's like, so so my watch of this episode begins. 
Yes. And he has people like, uh, I shall never pick up my phone yes. and uh, record <laughs> the accounts of this. Uh, but then when he got finished doing that, there you heard a, you know nothing, Jon Snow. It's like, uh, I feel like that that's weird to bring a call, you know, a callback. We haven't seen it. She died in season four. It's just a, a cute button for the crowd. I don't think that Little it's button. anything more than that. Okay. There's so much to do, right? Like, how can how can we bring Egrid into this? Like, we're, we're past that. We're past that. Yeah. Besides, John, John and Danny got to get together. Everybody knows that's happening. Okay. I was going to say, and, and, and no love interest uh, for Jon Snow uh, yeah. since then. Uh, are we gonna, Are we wrong to think that the White Walkers uh, won't be the ultimate winners? We talk about Danny and Starks and whoever's taking the Iron Throne, but what if nobody human wins? Uh, could you see some, uh, some uh, you know, nihilist ending to all of this, Josh? Uh, sure. I mean, there there could very well be an ending where, like, yeah, the world really did just like go to to hell in a handbasket. Like, it's just really, you know, it's it's over. And the White Walkers are here because you guys couldn't stop warring over this physical object that really doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Um, I could see it, but I don't think that that's what's going to happen. I could definitely see the outcome where the Iron Throne doesn't exist, or like the existing structure of Westeros's political system doesn't exist, and the White White Walkers have invaded Westeros, but I think that ultimately they do have to be defeated. Like Game of Thrones is unconventional in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, main characters die in really graphic, unexpected fashion. Um, but I think in terms of the overall arc of the of the show, I feel like it's it's relatively traditional. You know, George R. R. Martin cites like the end of Lord of the Rings as one of his uh, favorite things. How the hobbits come back to the Shire and the Shire has been ruined. So even though they've done everything that they could do to possibly save humanity and save the elves and save everybody in Middle-earth, they have still come home and their their home has been wrecked. The war came to their home. And I think that that idea is going to be present in Game of Thrones, which is bittersweet. Like There will be victories, but there will be losses as well. And I don't think it'll be quite as devastating as there are no people left. It's just what's the state of Westeros for the people who are alive. Okay. Uh, and then uh, last question, Josh. This is from Chris Barron again. Uh, what is the end game of the show? Are we building to a battle for the throne or are we building to a fight against the walkers? What's the focus of the season eight finale? So we have basically like two major storylines that we've been dealing with. We have sort of like the geopolitical battle for Westeros. Which army is going to win out to uh, inherit the Iron Throne and rule the Seven Kingdoms? Then we also have the battle for the you know sake of of humanity or whatever the, the people in uh, West uh, you know uh, you know uh, Westeros world and. That is going on as well. Which do you think the show settles first? Do you feel like that season seven is going to be the geopolitical battle and season eight is the ultimate battle of uh, White Walkers versus or do you think that those things end up happening simultaneously over the two seasons? Yeah, I I used to think that probably this is the season where they're going to completely deal with all of the political problems and the White Walkers will come in season eight. But I'm starting to think more and more that it isn't going to be something of a simultaneous storyline, you know, a final storyline. I think that there is uh, certainly resolution that needs to happen with the three human armies as they exist, the North, the Targaryens, and the Lannisters. But I don't know that it necessarily has to end with just, you know, uh, one of these armies, like, just crushed underneath somebody's boot heel. And, and, like, maybe Jon and Danny are together and Cersei is just completely crushed. I do think that this could be something that continues to last into season eight and frankly you know if all of these 
these people get their acts together, they should all be working together. So it's not impossible that we could see kind of not a nonviolent resolution to this political strife that's in the Seven Kingdoms, but some sort of practical resolution where everyone finally agrees, yeah, we got to figure out what's coming on. You know, the wall is down or something like that. Uh, So I I think that these things are going to run simultaneously through to the end. The White Walkers are clearly the overall threat to humanity as it exists in Westeros. And that has got to be kind of the the big crowning moment of the show narratively. But the the quest for the throne has been such the, the lifeblood of this show that I think to completely get rid of those power struggles and those wants and desires from these characters for the entirety of season eight, I think it could be a very boring season. So I don't think that that's going to go. I think that the two of them are going to run all the way to the finish line. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I, I kind of feel like that we're going to uh, wrap up the throne stuff in season seven and then have it be the, the battle of then everybody who's left versus the Night's King and the White Walker army going into season eight. I feel like that that's that that's how that plays out, because it just seems like that that to have those two things that are so different. I don't know. At, at, like at what point, like if, you know, aliens are attacking the Earth, do all of the Countries that are at war with each other, do they keep fighting their wars and eventually, like, uh, like at, at some point, don't they all have to say, like, hey, uh, we got to deal with the alien threat. The aliens is happening. We need to, we need to, like, uh, like let's put cast aside our weapons for this. Uh, you know, uh, forget. Uh, you know, we have peace in the Middle East now because there's aliens. Yeah, no, I think that there is going to be some sort of coming together in the face of something like that, at the expense of there not still being these old ways of thinking towards some of these people. You know, the Lannisters are always going to hate the Starks and not trust them, and vice versa. So I think even if there was any kind of peace that could be forged there in the face of this overwhelming otherworldly threat, I still think those feuds would be simmering. You know, Cersei would be figuring out a way to make another wedding happen. You know, I think that that would still be very much in place. And I'm just saying that I think that that kind of juice has been so powerful for Game of Thrones that I don't think that the show is going to want to completely get rid of that uh, until the very end of the show. I think that's going to be with us all the way. Okay, Josh, uh, we'll see how it all plays out on Sunday night, uh, HBO at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you're on the West Coast like me, you get that HBO East Coast feed. You can watch it at 6, and then uh, we'll be live 15 minutes after the episode here on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash postshowrecaps. Of course, uh, those episodes are going to be in the podcast feed as well at postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And of course, the uh, biggest uh, the gift that keeps on giving at this point in time is a stark rating in the iTunes store and uh, we do appreciate that helps more and more people find the show comments not going to kill you either Josh a comment would be nice I would love a comment or two or three yeah no uh, our undying appreciation uh, for uh, any star ratings at this point in time because it helps uh, this show get discovered by more listeners and then with that Josh uh, what do you have uh, lined up at uh, the Hollywood Reporter oh my god so I I will. I just turned in an article that we'll be posting on Saturday morning, which you'll be able to find on our Game of Thrones hub, thr.com slash Game of Thrones, that rounds up uh, a lot of the articles that I've already written, a lot of the interviews that I've done, some of the, the you know, the crackpot theory pieces that, I, that I've come out with on THR. And it's got something like 50 links in it, 50 different articles are being linked. So if you got nothing else to do this weekend, maybe check out that story. That'll be the top Game of Thrones story on Saturday morning uh, on 
on thr.com slash Game of Thrones. There's a lot of reading. You got a, you got a lot that you can uh, you can entertain yourself with in the in the hours leading up to this Game of Thrones premiere. Hey, Josh, I hope you get some sleep this weekend. Uh, rest up. On it. <laughs> Winter is here. It's all happening. Uh, looking forward to a great season of Game of Thrones podcasting with you here on Post Show Recaps. Uh, Josh, anything else? Uh, no, I mean, look, we're also uh, don't want to go without saying something about the Game of Thrones book club. Terry Schwartz and I got to see each other this past week. It's always awesome seeing Terry. She's super busy. I'm super busy. We're going to do those book clubs as often as humanly possible. I don't think we can guarantee weekly this season, but we're going to do our best to get a bunch your way. So don't give up hope. If you are a book club fan, we're going to get you at least a few podcasts this season. We'll see how many, but definitely a few. And if you haven't done so yet, we have uh, completely relaunched the Post Show Recaps website. So go ahead and uh, check out what we've been working on on postshowrecaps.com. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.